Um, this series came about during the lockdown uh, uh, just a few weeks ago as we were still on a, a very uh, uh, tight lockdown. Um, the sermons that I had preached a few weeks ago regarding the church and I addressed how important the church is and the, and, and the, uh, uh, the understanding concerning uh, the small church and God's master plan concerning the church. And part of that began to, uh, part of that sermons that I was putting together drove me uh, to this very subject that I want to minister and preach on for the next several weeks. And as we take a look at these subjects, as we look at these sermon series over the next several weeks, uh, we are going to take some time uh, and we're going to look at a few verses together and uh, build our understanding concerning what it means to be blessed by God. How many want to have a blessed life? Every one of us desire to have a blessed life. And it is biblical. It is not against the will of God. It is biblical. And I want you to go with me to the book of Acts chapter 20 as we turn there. Uh, we're going to go to the book of Acts chapter 20. Before I go any further this morning, I want to clear the air and I want to say to you that generosity is more than just giving financially. Finances is only one way in which you express your generosity. But finances isn't the only way that you express your generosity. Are we in the same book this morning? So there are many ways people express their generosity and what we must establish is that generosity is an attitude that flows from our hearts into action. So if we simply say, oh, I'm a generous person, but it doesn't translate into us acting out what we say from our hearts, then it is merely hearsay. Generosity is a state of the heart, not of one's wallet. We rest in the knowledge that God is the provider of all things. He is gracious and He loves to bless His children. So in confidence to His provision, we give liberally out of it. We are generous because God has been and continues to be generous with us. He lavished His love on us and this should cause us to respond in kind. So before you shut me off this morning, those online, those who are here, before you shut me off this morning, don't assume that just because I'm preaching about generosity, it's only solely about money. This is a lifestyle. A lifestyle that will transform who you are. A lifestyle that will bring joy into your heart. A lifestyle that will bless every arena of your life. So let's pretend for a few moments that you had a bank, which hardly will ever happen, called you and said that they have some very good news. He told you that an anonymous donor who loves you very much has decided to deposit 86,400 pennies into your account each morning, starting the following Monday morning. 
So that is $864 a day, seven days a week. Don't smile. This is just a story. I know some of you getting excited. You know, don't, don't, don't. Story, this is 52 weeks a year. He adds, but there's one stipulation. You must spend all that money, $864, on that same day. No balance will be carried over to the, to the next day. So the shopaholics will be excited about this. Each evening, the bank will cancel whatever sum you fail to use. So with a big smile, you thank your banker, you hang up, and over that weekend, you plan. You grab a pen, you grab a pencil, you start writing down $864 a day. You know, where am I going to spend this money seven times, uh, uh, seven times a week? That's in total 6000 a week times 52. That's almost $315,000 a year that you have available to you if you're diligent to spend it all each day. Remember though, what you don't spend is forfeited. So much for pretending. Now let's get serious. Every morning, someone who loves you very much deposits into your bank of time 86,400 seconds, which represents 1,440 minutes, which of course equals 24 hours each day. Now remember, you have to spend it all because there's no carry forward. And because God gives you this amount of time each day, nothing is carried on credit to the next day. There is no such thing as 26 hours a day. From today's dawn until tomorrow's dawn, you have precisely determined amount of time as someone has wisely said, life is like a coin. You can spend it any way you want, but you can only spend it once. So I ask you this morning, have you been generous with God? How much of your time does God really get? See, it's not about money. It's a lifestyle. It's the time, the generosity of the willingness to give. So the principle this morning as we move on of the blessed life is giving rather than receiving. So what are we talking about? We are talking about a person who can qualify or constitute the life that they live is a blessed life. But in order to come to that place, giving must supersede receiving. That is a principle. Jesus was the perfect example of generosity. Jesus was a giver. He, in the beginning of time, the Bible says, He gave his creation, an entire garden to enjoy. He blessed his people. He released into their hands 
things that, you know, human beings enjoy and yet we violate. He, in his generosity, went on to the New Testament in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes would not perish but have everlasting life. And so it is true when we come to conclusion that God is a generous giver. I read this to you before, and before we read Acts 20, I want to establish my point and, and establish the truth of this here. God made everything to give. God made the sun, it gives. God made the moon, it gives. God made the stars, they give. God made the air, it gives. God made the clouds, they give. God made the earth, it gives. God made the sea, it gives. God made the trees, it gives. God made the flowers, they give. God made the fowls, they give. God made the bees, they give. God made the plants, they give. So the question is, God made men. So have you been generous? See, it's not about money only, right? Acts chapter 20. Let's read verses 33 to 38 as we go into this series together. I want you to lock your hearts in and allow God to speak to you. Acts 20, 33 to 38. This will liberate your life. It will set you free. It will give you a reason to live, beloved. Acts 20, 33 to 38. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourself know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said. What did he say? It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and, kiss, and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more, and they accompanied him to the ship. So here we find in this passage the life of Paul. You see, generosity is being assaulted by the enemy. People are becoming more and more ungenerous towards the kingdom of God. The culture that we reside in is becoming more and more calculative to the kingdom of God when essentially it is the kingdom of God and God himself who blesses us. I want you to understand, beloved, that people often say, but I don't have enough. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough, you know, uh, 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 talent, I don't have enough energy, and so on and so forth, to be generous, can I say to you, beloved, it is a principle, when you give, you receive. God is a redeemer of time. Stop saying, I don't have time. God redeems time. God is able to give you energy and strength and ability to do things that goes beyond your age, beyond your ability, beyond your humanly uh, uh, strength. God is able to do that. And that's what Paul is showing us here in his farewell to the Ephesian church or the elders. Paul speaks of his life. He is declaring to them, my life has been poured out as a drink offering. He was generous. 
in the way he lived. He was not calculative. He was expressing generosity in action. He never held himself back. Anything that came for the kingdom of God, you notice he says, yes, you yourself know that these hands provided. Paul was a tent maker. While he was ministering, while he was preaching, Paul was a tent maker. He begins to describe here, I've shown you in every way by laboring like this. He was a laborer. A generous person is a laborous person. You cannot be sitting around, beloved. What to do, huh? Look for something to do. Paul was a giver. He was extremely liberal. He was generous. And the kingdom of God was where he expressed his generosity too. So I ask you, where do you express your generosity? Food? Friends? Where do you express your generosity to? Your career? See, this is what the enemy attacks today. And next week, I'll preach about the heart of giving because we don't give to get. Remember, we don't give, we don't serve to get something in return. Oh, I gave $1,000. God, you have to bless me. No, he doesn't have to. That, that's corrupted thinking. That every time I give, I want something in return. It, it's such a cultural thing today that people have this concept. Oh, I tied and I gave. That, that's why we don't have problem oftentimes tithing. Because we understand when I tithe, I get something in return. But we cut back on our offerings. Acts chapter 20, verses 18 to 20. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know, from the first day I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived with you, among you, serving the, look at Paul's testimony, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house. Acts chapter 20, verses 31. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone day and night with tears. So can you see, this is Paul's testimony. I didn't read the whole thing, but just portions of it. And you catch the truth of Paul's life here. He was a generous man. Paul poured his life out. Paul gave himself completely to the kingdom. Paul released himself to the kingdom and he exemplified the life of Christ. You see, when you live a life of a, of a generous person, you express Jesus to the world. Why, why is that person so... So sold out for the things of why is that person so liberal to the things of why is that person making so much of time for the kingdom of God? And I say to you, beloved, that express to people Jesus Himself. 
See, our life is called to represent Christ. And what Satan does is he makes Christians live in fear, anxiety, worry, to the point that if I give too much of my time, if I give too much of my resources, if I give too much of my uh, uh, talent, and you know, I will never be blessed, I will never have enough. But you see, Christians this morning, to live a blessed life, Christians ought to be the most generous people. We should be cheerfully generous because that is the hallmark of Christianity. The joy of releasing, the joy of sacrificing for the kingdom. It shouldn't be said, oh, I did so much, you know, and I did this and I did that. No, you know what? What a privilege. What a privilege that I can do more for God. What a privilege that I can participate and get more involved. What a privilege that I can sacrifice my time. What a privilege that I can put sleep aside to seek God. What a privilege that the pillow has no hold on me. What a privilege that mammon has no hold of me. What a privilege that my friends, my, my girlfriend, my boyfriend don't have a hold of me. Amen. Amen. That my passion, my desire is liberally given to the things of God. I was sitting down with a man this week. He runs one of the biggest firms, a property agency. He's the founder of it. I, I sat down, I had coffee with him because a few months ago, I, I asked him for a job. And I said, would you mind, you know, considering? So I'm sitting down with him this week. We had coffee and we were just chatting. Fantastic, very nice man. He said, so what, what, what is it right now? Do you still want... Uh, an employment? Do you still want a job? I said, uh, I don't know what, what God wants me to do right now, you know, but, but I just want to do His will. He says, look, if you want to come in, the door is open for you. And, and this man, is, as he's talking to me, he's talking to me about discipleship. He's talking to me, he's about 65, 67 years old phenomenal reality of what God has allowed. He says, you know, I, I walk with some of these people and, and sometimes I ask them to come up here and we take a walk into the forest and when we walk into the forest, we just talk about Jesus. But I saw, here's a man who poured himself out. I said, so, so David, what what?" When you tell me about all this that's going on, how do you balance time at work and time to work with people? And he says, all time belongs to God. Hugely successful. But the reality is, is because he caught his act together. In 1994, he was in Changi Prison, or 1993, somewhere around, uh, uh, way before, Changi Prison, he said, someone preached the gospel to me. He was a drug addict. He was lost in sin. His parents had some form of resemblance of Christianity. But he said, but you know something? My dad was hardly ever at home. He said, I, 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 that day when I heard the gospel in prison, I just whispered a prayer. He said, I, I simply said this. I said, God, if you're real, touch me. And he says, when I went back to my room that night, 
there was such a joy in me. I knew God was real. He says, it was then I put away my alcohol. I put away my cigarette. It was then I began to walk in this newness that God had done a miracle in my life. But you see, beloved, people forget. Here's a man with great success. And he gives his time to God. Generosity is medicine to the heart. You want, you want to cure illnesses of the heart? Learn to be a liberal person. Learn to be a generous person. It is biblical that God reveals to us that it is ultimately more blessed to give than to receive. Generosity doesn't only involve money. It is an attitude of the heart, beloved, which means we ought to be generous in worship. We ought to be generous in serving. We ought to be generous in giving of our time. We ought to be generous in our involvement. That's what constitutes a blessed life. That God has given you so much of time, so much of resources, so much of talent, so much of ability to do something for Him. And instead of griping, complaining, cutting back, the Christian life should liberally give towards God. Why? Because the Satan don't hold me back anymore. See how... a assaulted the spirit of generosity is today in the church world. When the love of Christ is embraced, generosity becomes natural. When you understand the price Jesus paid, when you realize what He did for you on the cross, when the value of the cross becomes of superior importance to you, you begin to live a life that gives more than take. This is the reality. We're not called to be takers. We're called to be givers. Can I say to you, we're not called to be takers. We're called to be givers. Right? We're called to be givers and we're called to be recipients. Not takers. There's a difference. A taker takes. I want everything. Pray, you know, this, that, this, that, this, everything that you can give me, I take, I take, I take, I take. But don't expect anything from me. But you see, a giver is always a recipient. God releases. That's why the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Because when you can give away, you can receive. When you can receive, you can give. When you can keep receiving, you keep giving, you keep giving, you keep giving, you keep giving, you keep giving. But the culture, the world, the generation today is, is becoming less and less willing to sacrifice. Hence, the Bible and the adage that we find in the scripture, the statement, it is more blessed to give than to receive, is so foreign in the church world today. The blessed life doesn't consist of the amount of toys you have. The blessed life consists of the amount of God you have. 
Can I say that again to you? The blessed life does not consist of the amount of toys you have, but rather the amount of God you have in you. When you're blessed, when God begins to pour out His blessing on you, beloved, I tell you, there's no telling what God can do. I'm preaching about generosity. Let's talk then, secondly, because generosity requires putting your life second to others. When generosity is at work, other people become more important than you. You, became, you become more and more liberal. We know the story. Uh, uh, recently, I was, I was you know, uh, uh, so offended at first with the Paralympian who lost the gold medal in, in, uh, uh, in, in, in uh, Tokyo. And, um, I, you know, I read the story in the next morning and I told my wife, I said, you see, how can they do this to this guy? Then I thought about it. Wait a second, we're Malaysians. We surely we found something there. And later we found out he was talking to his mother. He came out long, late, too late to participate in the event, so they disqualified him. Not the right time to talk to your mother before you come for an you know, he was two minutes or three minutes late because he was on the phone with his mother. And so they disqualified him. Someone else took the gold medal instead of him. And so in that story came this other story that inspired me. In 2012, in the Olympics, Kenyan runner Abel Mutai was only a few meters away from the finish line. But he got confused with the signs and he stopped thinking he had finished the race. There were people giving him all kinds of signs. So he thought, oh, he finished the race, but he hadn't crossed the line yet. And so what happened is the Spanish man who was behind him, just a few meters behind him, saw this event unfold. And the Spanish runner, Ivan Fernandez, had a choice. He could have run sprint right in front of uh, uh, Abel Mutai, and he could have won the Olympics. But he refused to. He was so close to Abel Mutai that he looked at him and he said, Keep running, keep running, keep running. And Abel Mutai ran and he finished first, while Ivan Fernandez finished second. And the reporter asked Ivan Fernandez, why, why did you do this? Why did you let Kenya win? You could have won. Ivan looked at him and replied, but what would be the merit of my victory? What would be the honor of this medal? Can I tell you when we die, we're not going to stand before God and say, oh, look at the car I drive. Look at the amount of money I have. Look at how much of possessions I own. Look at how many people, you know, are my friends. No. What did you do with what you had for my kingdom? What did you do? You see, the devil has masqueraded and caused the kingdom of God to seem so unimportant when it is actually the most important thing to every Christian. We see this world as of greater importance than God's kingdom. 
We have such a, 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 a messed up view, a corrupted view. We now see this world and the achievements of this world and the aspirations of this world as of greater importance that we give more of our time, more of our energy, more of our money, more of our resources, more of our talent to the things of the world compared to the kingdom of God. And I understand, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that, you know what, God doesn't call us to a secular job. God calls people. Some people are called to be lawyers. Some people are called to be businessmen. Some people are called to be physicians, doctors. They all have callings of God on their lives. But I say to you right now, beloved, generosity requires revelation. The third week of this series, I'll preach to you a different sermon, uh, hopefully, <laughs> And, and, and the context of that sermon is, is, is something that God impressed on my heart. Generous people, not everybody who is generous has the gift of giving. But everyone who has the gift of giving is generous. That means there are people who are just, they don't have the gift of giving. They are generous to some degree, but they just don't have the gift. And I'll explain to you, but we'll talk about that in the third week because we need the gift of giving. We can ask God for the gift of giving. It is a gift that we can have. But generosity requires revelation. People are not naturally generous. God does His work in us through sanctifying us. He changes us. He challenges us. He transforms us. And then He does His work in us. So when you see a person who willingly gives themselves, what happened? It took a miracle to change that person. A normal person will never want to give themselves to God's kingdom. A normal individual will hold back. So when you're transformed, you become liberal with God. It is very hard to convert a person to be generous. I've been a pastor long enough, I can tell you this. It's very hard. People essentially have reservations. When you stand and you challenge, people essentially don't mind spending money on food, People don't mind spending money on coffee. People don't mind spending things on things that benefit them. But it becomes very, they become very tight when it comes to God's kingdom. And that's a spirit. That's a work of Satan. Acts 20 verses 24. The Bible says, but none of these things move me. Look, look at Paul's statement. What a profound statement. Can this be said of us? Look at all that's going on today. People just want to make more. People just want to, you know, oh, we want to prosper people. We want this, we want that. Listen, when, when, are we willing to lay down lives, beloved? Look at Paul. He says, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul said, I laid it down. I'm not, I'm not aspiring the things of this world. It's not what my aim is. Paul lived a life that was second to others. He viewed others as of greater importance than merely himself. This is what a blessed life constitutes. Can I say that? When God can break selfishness from you, you become a blessed person. Amen. 
This is one thing my wife and I have learned through the years. My, my daughter was drinking a, a mango, mango uh, a, a juice this week and, and Jeremy said, give me, this, give me the drink. I want, we just ordered one, you know. We, we, we don't want them to uh, indulge too much and so we ordered one and so, uh, uh, give me the drink. No! Then I turned around and then I, I, I looked at her. I said, give him the drink. No. I said, but it's my money. I bought that. Yeah, Shopee wants our money. Isn't it? <laughs> I think the church should go on Shopee. What say you? We should be on Shopee. Like, buy this. You get one prayer for 20 ringgit. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, so, so she said, you know, no, I'm not giving it. I said, but, but I'm telling you to give it. I don't care. He'll bite the straw. He won't give it back to me. It will finish. And that's how some Christians are with God. Give. No. No, I'm not giving that much. No, I'm not giving my time. No, I'm not coming. No, I'm not praying. No, I got no time. That's right. That's right. But hey, I gave you that time. Beloved, it upsets me when my daughter does that to me. Because I love them both equally. And how many Christians struggle with generosity? See, this is what a blessed life constitutes. It counts it a privilege to give and to release. And I'm going to close in a few moments here. Just bear with me as I establish these thoughts. Why do you become so liberal and generous? Number one, you understand God owns everything. Your life is on God's watch clock. Amen. Your time is in God's watch clock. God says time is up, time is up. That's why one of the things I told my wife, I said with COVID, with COVID, you know what? If God wants us to die, time's up lah. I know, you, most people probably watching online say stupid fella. No. I have confidence in the God I serve who protects me and my family from this silly virus. My faith is in God. I know if time is up, there's nothing you can do about it. Hey, look, we saw many people who passed into eternity in the churches in America, in the churches all over the world. I thank God God protected us in this church. God kept us safe. And I pray God will continue to do that. But I tell you what, beloved, their time was up. Nothing would have stopped it. Do you realize that time, that is in God's hands? You can take all the ginseng you want, Remember those days? He said, if you take this ginseng, you can live up to. Then I was, I was talking to another guy uh, on, 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 on Friday. He said, you know, my dad is 95 years old. I said, really? Wow, how? Oh, my dad every morning drinks warm water with lemon. Two cups, warm water with lemon. Now, listen, I'm not mocking it. I believe it's true. I do it as well. <laughs> not to live to 95. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you that it's true. But I'm telling you what, God let your dad live up to 95 because God saw it fit. If God wants to take him home, he'll take him home. You realize that? Life and death doesn't belong to men, it belongs to God. And so, God owns everything. Secondly, God is your provider, not men. 
You know, people say, oh, my boss has given me a bonus or an increase or what. No, 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 no. God used your boss to bless you. But you know where the money came from? God. You know where that, that blessing came from? God. And then when God challenges us, you know what we say? No! My money. My time. My talent. Yeah, but I gave you that. No! It's mine. But who's the provider? God. So when you have a revelation that God owns it all, when you have a revelation that God is your provider, and thirdly, when you have a revelation that you are not the owner of it, you are just a steward, you realize there's no reason for me to hold back. I should be very liberal and generous with God. This made Paul a man who was liberal. The more he gave, the more he began doing for God. This type of life is so contradictory. This type of life is so counterintuitive. People say, you know, oh, when you give of your time, when you give of your money, you will have lesser for yourself. But look at Paul's life. He didn't have lesser for himself. This is the lie of Satan. Satan wants you to believe that if I give more, I will have less. If I do more, I will have less. If I come more, I will have less. But I say to you, the Word of God is filled with paradoxes. What kind of paradox? The Bible says when you are weak, He is strong. The Bible says when you are first, he, when, when you are last, you are first. These are paradoxes that you find in the Word of God. It's so paradoxical, beloved, that when you understand this, when you realize what God is doing in us, you understand that anything that you do for God, the Bible says when you are wise, you are full. Such a paradox, isn't it? I also found reading somewhere in uh, the book of Gregory, when you are fed, you're thin. <laughs> so that's the new tin now. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I, I woke some of you up right there. I'm joking. But the reality is, isn't the Bible a book of paradox? When you are rich, you're poor. When you are weak, you're strong. When you are last, you're first. Doesn't make sense. And that's the truth. The blessed life doesn't make sense. So what does the devil make you do? He makes you calculative. I cannot do too much. I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't have the resource. And he holds you back. But generosity is the key to a blessed life. In giving, you become a conduit. In giving, you become a channel that God allows you to, to be used. A channel where the blessing flows. I remember a story years ago, a pastor, you know, he, he, he runs this church and one of the church members wanted to bless another family with a vehicle. And this family who wanted to bless them, they bought a new car. So they said, you know what? We don't want to sell this off. We saw that family in church. We just want to be a blessing to them. But pastor, we don't want them to know that it's our car. And so what this pastor did was they went, they changed the title. They, they, they transferred the name into uh, his name or the church's name. And then so as they did the transfer, he collects the car from the family who was giving the car and he is going to take the car now to go and give it to the family who's receiving the car. 
And while he's driving there, the car breaks down. Transferred to his name, transferred to the church's name, the car breaks down, the gearbox goes, goes bust, and the pastor, you know, said, God, I had the car for one day, not one, just a few hours. And I have to bear the expense of repairing the car before I give it to them? And you know what God told him? God said, the family giving the car didn't have the money. The family getting the car didn't have the money. You have the money. I gave the money to you. Stop complaining. God causes blessing to flow. The more you say that God, you would use me, the more God will bless you in abundance. You know, science proves this, beloved. Science proves that people who give generously, people who live with generosity, there are people, you know, uh, uh, even with this, with this man I met, you know, a few months ago, I called him up, I spoke to him. When he made time for me, I was, I was flawed. I was amazed that this is a man. Why would he make time for me? But he was a blessing. And, and I believe when we make time for God, God feels honored. God, you are important enough. This is your church and it is important enough to me that I will make time. You see, that's where the blessed life comes from. That's why Paul quotes that. He can give so much. He can liberally release his life, sacrifice so much. Yet he would make this statement, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Can I say, if anyone can complain, it's Paul. How much you want me to give? How much do you want me to pour out? How much do you want me to release? How much of my time? How much of my energy? How much of my effort? How much do you want me to give? But he makes a statement. That means there was joy in his sacrifice. Do you find joy in sacrifice? I'm trying to move quickly. I got another 20 pages to go here. Just bear with me. We'll get done by... In a while. How many know you can never outgive God? 24 hours a day, seven days a week belongs to God, not you. You're just a steward. And how many people spend time reading the news and <laughs> listening to trash and, and, you know, watching YouTube videos and that doesn't even feed your spiritual soul? At least give Him half an hour. At least give Him 16 minutes a day. Is that too much to ask? I've given you so much of time. 24 hours is my time. Will you be generous with God? The one who owns it all. See, when we lack revelation of God's character, when you have no knowledge of the price He paid, you become tight, rigid, and ungenerous, unwilling to sacrifice. This is what reflects, listen to me, listen to me carefully as I close. When I talk about being tight, I talk about rigidness, I'm not talking about being a steward. Every one of us needs to be a steward. But when there is a lack of understanding, when you are blessed to give, you know, 
I don't, I don't like saying too much about myself, but the other day, some aircon guys came over to my house, first visit. There was a problem with the aircon. And, and they went over to my parents' house first. Julia's aircon had broken down, and we had to get it re- rectified. And so these two workers came. And when they came to the house, they looked at it. They said, okay, sir, you know what? There is nothing wrong. You just have to press this button right there. Just press it. And I was like, oh, okay, there's a button there. Okay, we can on it from there. We don't need the remote. And when they came, they, they came and then, you know, they, they were leaving. And then I opened my wallet and butterflies flew out. No, I'm joking. I, I didn't have anything in my wallet. I didn't go to the bank. I forgot to withdraw and all of that. So I asked my wife, I said, do you have any money? And so she said, no, no I, 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 I need to check. And so she checked and then she said she had only $40 with her. And, and, you know, in my heart, I don't know why God does, so, does this a lot of times, but we felt so compelled to just give it all to them. I gave each $20, $20. I said, you know what, you just, they came back later. But because my God is a giver, I had nothing. My wife had to scram to look, but we like, we love to be givers. We're not a taker church. Let me tell you something. If I tell you the stories, when we had to go off over this past couple of months, I tell you, we have in our own finances invested, thrown back into the church, forty to 50,000 just to keep the church doors open. Some people don't even give. Applied for jobs after jobs after jobs after jobs. Wrote to CEOs just to get an employment. Why? Because we love the church. Why? 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 I'm not blowing my trumpet. Because my God is a giver. Every time I gave, God gave back. And I never said, oh, I don't have it. I don't. Even yesterday, my wife and I were sitting up at night. Just give it all. Beloved, I'm not lying to you. We don't have the money for the rent this month. You want to know what's the balance in the account right now? $1,600. We need to take care of the rent. $7,000. Generosity comes from a person who understands it all belongs to God. Who this morning? Who will be liberal? Who will be generous? Who will say, God, I want to be a blessing? Don't, don't, don't feel bad for us. Please don't. I've done a lot of things in life. I've done a lot of things. God provides for us. I love to be blessed. Every time we give, God blesses us back. But I'm asking you. We've had bills to pay this month. We had to cover for the audit fees. We had to cover for insurance. We had to cover utilities that we didn't have enough to pay off last month. All these months, beloved, we had surplus in the account. We always had surplus. We always had savings left aside. But this COVID, one and a half years, hit us so bad. I'm praying God bless the tithers in this church. Bless the people who have been tithing 
Bless the people when they get their EPF, their retirement fund, they will honour God. They will honour God with their tithe. They will do right, God, because we need that influx. And I believe God will do it. But I'm also here to tell you, beloved, why can we give the way we give? Because, because my God has given to me. Do you have that revelation? Most people say, just shut it down. Why press on? Why go on? Why go forward? If there's not enough, why? Because this is the will of God for us and the will of God is worth fighting for. You see, you become less consumed about it. God is in control. So let's close and I'm done here. 2 Timothy chapter 4, 6 to 8. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. Look at Paul's words. Look at Paul's words. I am being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, not to me only, but also to all who love this appearing. So let's close with this right here, and I'm done. Okay? I'm not going to bore you with any more stories. But the enemy aims to keep us from being blessed. But hindering us, by hindering us from being generous. How does he do it? How does he hinder us from being blessed? By hindering us from being generous. Don't give. Don't come. Don't liberally release. Don't, 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 don't. You know how many times, beloved, the enemy tempts us. There are more important things in life than God. And he knows how liberating it can be. That's why the devil stops you from giving. Some people, for one and a half years of, of being absent from church, never once was there ever a giving into the kingdom. I, I wish I can go to the owner and say, <laughs> free are this man, You know, it takes money. It takes money. It takes time. It takes our energy. It takes our resources. It takes our sacrifice. But Paul was a contented. This is what is so, 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 so fascinating right here. Paul was a contented and he was an extremely satisfied man. You want to know how? Look at this passage. He gave himself completely to the Lord without holds barred. He said the weak are strong. The word of God as we know it, beloved, reveals to us this. If you look at this passage, it's so fascinating. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And my time of departure is that. How does those two go hand in hand? Have you thought about it? How does those two go hand in hand? He poured himself out and he says that I am achieving the goal. It doesn't make sense. Bro, you gave it all and God is giving you a satisfied Fulfill life? How? It's paradoxical. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. How can a person's life that I may decrease so he can increase? How does it make sense? How does giving to God, how does generosity to God actually make sense? It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It just doesn't. People just don't get it. There's such a joy in giving yourself to God. But people are so calculative today. 
how does a man who poured out his life as a drink offering finish the race and run for the goal? How does a man who poured out his life, which equals reduction, yet increase more? And it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any kind of logic sense. It's not rational, but God honors those people. You heard my testimony. The more we gave, the more God blessed us in return. You know, there was a door that God opened up for us in, in, in just two months, two months ago, probably a month and a half, two months ago. And there were certain things that we were doing and we were only going to make a certain amount for this, for this uh, product that we were selling to this company. And so when we sold the, the product, we signed up paperwork, everything, all was completed. And then the government came in and the government said something about adjusting the price for some whatever reason. And so they adjusted the price, but because we had signed the paperwork with this company, what happened was, instead of us reducing the price, the manufacturer reduced the price on their end, and we made double of what we had to make. From what we had given into the kingdom, I was sitting with my wife yesterday, we were just calculating, I said, God, for what we have given, you have multiplied three times. And my fear was what, you know, God, don't tell me to do it again. Because God, I, I want to trust you in faith, but you've got to give us givers in the church. You've got to bless other people who will liberally release and give into your kingdom. I believe that is also your portion, church. I will not complain because the blessed life is a life of overflow. So let's close off with the reality that generosity changes the heart. And that's why when you're generous with God, you have a blessed home, a blessed life, a blessed marriage, a blessed business, a blessed career, and a blessed family because of your heart to give and to release. I want you to bow your heads with me.